Hi everyone, welcome back to It's All Light. I'm your host, Natalie Baugh, and today's guest is Russell Stitch. That's me. <laughs> yes, this is Russ, and I met Russ actually a week ago, so it's kind of fun when I have people on my podcast that I've just barely met, because it, some people, I can immediately tell they're passionate about something, and that's when I jump the gun, and I'm like, do you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> And you're gonna you're in for a treat today because yeah, so we'll get to know Russ and then you'll find out what we're gonna talk about. So Russ, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Um so I am from Montana. Um I okay, I'm gonna try not to say um my mom would be dis- disappointed <laughs> if, with me if I did. So I'm from Montana. I've got three sisters, a dad, um, and a mom as well super outdoorsy dad my sisters aren't as much and so i got all of the attention from my dad and basically have been spoiled since i was like seven years old from him as far as recreational activities right so montana hunting fishing yeah we have horses back home um like a little bit of land and uh, yeah, super, super passionate, outdoorsy guy. Like, and he's I wearing like a Sitka a hat, too, for anyone yeah. not watching. He's wearing a Sitka hat. And, that, and that a Grizzfish shirt. Oh, that says a lot. It says a lot about a yeah. person. Very outdoorsy. Okay. And what else do you do? You light up about, just in general? What do you light up about? Um, music, for sure. Definitely mm-hmm. music. Uh, I love, like, a lot of different music, like, genres. I don't love Screamo whatsoever at all. Yeah, me neither. Other than that, though, I feel like I'm pretty pretty easy, you know, whether nice. it's like old 60s, 70s, 80s country, classical, actually, yeah, jazz. You play the rock. violin, right? Play the violin, yeah. Pretty cool. We all did since we were five. Amazing. Uh, um, what else am I passionate about? Other people, definitely. I, a lot of people, here you, here you are, a lot of people are super... Um, I found there's a spectrum. So usually people either get their energy from people or it depletes their energy being mm-hmm. around people. Extroverts, right? introverts. Mm-hmm. Right. 100%. And so I have found that people generally, if they're introverted, it depletes their energy being around people. Mm-hmm. So I've known people in sales and business who, at the end of the day, when they get home, they just want to like clam up and do their own thing. I could talk to people all day long. And like when I get home, I still just want to talk and chit chat like people are equals energy for me so wow like on a scale of one to ten are you a ten like people person Uh yeah wow I used to be but the older I get the more I'm like I might be like an eight at this point it's kind of interesting watching myself kind of gravitate to the middle because I think you need them both yeah but like it's really cool to see where people, what motivates people, right? My sister always makes fun of me. She's like, you're motivated by fun. You're a yellow through and through, right? Like I, I'm motivated with people and having fun. And that's a lot of my life. Um, tell us a little bit more about your personality. So extroverted, you love people. Sorry, I just kind of took the, um, the moment. I, mean, I, work in, I work in insurance. And so I just talk to people mm-hmm. all day. I don't know if that's part of my personality. Hopefully not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I think um, 
I think in in like social atmospheres, another thing that I've been recently kind of discovering is I'm not huge into like big parties. Yeah. Right. You mentioned like you get your energy from people, but like certain certain sizes of groups of people, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't love like massive parties. If if I know everyone there, then that's one thing. But just like random strangers that I've never known, never met, sometimes maybe I do have a degree of like apprehensiveness in talking with random strangers um but yeah no i definitely like kind of more i like to focus on the the quality of the relationship as opposed to just networking with a million people so maybe that's going to manifest itself in a not so great way down the road right because like i feel like people that have a really large network Mm. um and really connected they benefit in a lot of ways but that's just, that's not my mantra, so. Well, I think you need them both. I mean, because I think about me, I know a lot of people, but like the quality of it though, some are better than others, but if I can mesh the two and when I meet people create that quality type of a relationship, but it's like we're human and we can really only have our close circle where we can really put in time and effort for that. But I love networking. I love just having a connection that you could maybe um what's the word nourish down the road or i don't know time and a place what you give to people i have more questions about this with you i guess we'll just keep talking about it until we jump into the main topic of the episode what helps you focus on others russ um i think part actually probably most most of the reason why i focus on other people is inherent just in my dna like passed genetically from Jean and Shauna, my parents. Um, both of my parents are, are very extroverted as well and love to host, right? Like mm, I love my hosting. mom is my, my mom is a small town girl from uh, one of nine and would go to elementary school with cow tongue sandwiches for lunch. Um, very, very poor Mormon family, right, in Bozeman, Montana. Wow. Uh, member family for those of you that are listening that I just offended. And anyway, um, going to school, she was like always poor. My dad was on the other end of the spectrum and he is from like a convert family, uh, not a lot of support, alcoholic parents, abusive parents. My dad got baptized when he was 13, rose above. So like both parents from absolutely nothing. And they saw what they wanted to be in life and part of that in large like large part was outgoing social kind to other people um and so that was kind of instilled in us kids but i also just feel like it was kind of passed on as well mm-hmm. um from my parents because that's that's their deal and then they want us as kids to be well-rounded in that regard as well Right. So like manners were drilled super hard growing up. I couldn't yeah. have my elbows on the table. Um, I had to. No, ma'am. <laughs> no, sir. Oh, oh, yeah. It was always like, yes, ma'am. Or uh, yes, sir. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's just like a degree of cordialness that they taught us, but also yeah. kind of sociality and, and being able to communicate well. My dad's great with with my mom and with my sisters. And so he's like an excellent communicator. And I would like to believe that he drilled that in me as a young boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that yeah. really answers your question. But... Yeah, no, it totally does. It's really cool to hear a little bit more about 
your background and I think it sets it up for kind of maybe our whole what I'm I'm kind of being selfish and choosing your topic for you but it's based off of what <laughs> I saw you light up about which is fly fishing <laughs> big fan huge so I'm, fan actually. I'm already assuming there's a connection with what you just said and fly fishing and maybe we can <sighs> start there and then we'll go back and get some some context um what did I just say my parents teaching me yeah, how just, to be social? Yeah, just good people skills and thinking of others. Um, yeah. I uh, So also fly fishing, I think, is something inherent in me as well. Mm. Because, so my dad is Gene Stitch, um, Gene Wilson Stitch Jr. His dad is Gene Wilson Stitch. So I'm like the third Wilson. I'm not like a Gene but I'm a Wilson, right? My middle yes. name is Wilson. Um, so Grandpa Stitch, Gene Stitch Sr., and his dad, Art, Arthur Stitch, uh, grew up just outside of Missoula, Montana, and they would go and catch and limit out on whitefish, this like sucker fish, bottom feeder fish, on these various rivers throughout the state. And then they'd come home and smoke them in their little smoke room, right? At, at the time, you didn't have these Bradley smokers or Traegers or anything like that. And so you had like wooden shack rooms where you'd walk in and you'd light a fire and then you'd hang all of your fish or beef or venison or whatever and smoke it, mm -hmm. cure it. And this is like, mind you, probably 1945, like World War II era. Mm -hmm. um, and fishing was more of like a, it wasn't so much of a leisure activity. It was more, we have to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was what my great, great grand or my great grandpa to my grandpa to my dad. Um, and as, as long as I can remember, um, I fished, right? Like six, seven, eight, didn't love to fly fish, couldn't cast worth crap, didn't have the patience, didn't have the knowledge, didn't have the experience. So it was like spinner fishing, bait fishing, mm -hmm. throw out a bobber and wait for the fish. Right. Um, but nevertheless it was like an escape an opportunity to get in the outdoors um almost i've thought about this a lot almost a way to commune with the higher being or power um and uh really liked any opportunity that i had to go out and fish um just learning my own and then also i i really think that fishing is in the blood i think People have stuff that just runs from, from generation to generation. It might be reading. It might be Formula One racing. It might be riding motorcycles. I think the thing that I picked up was fishing. So That's awesome. So you kind of give a little bit of background that you kind of got into it as a little kid. But when did you take off with, like, all things fly fishing? Yeah, so I... <laughs> So I was actually born in Orem, lived in uh, Linden till I was seven. And then my dad found work back home in Montana because that's where both of my parents are from. And my dad is just as obsessed with Montana as I am. And so when the opportunity came about, he jumped on it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we were up there f from when I was seven onwards and my dad, I, I kind of touched on this earlier, my dad would... I, I, me being the only boy right like my sisters didn't have too much interest in this um 
anyway, so my dad would always invite us kids to go out and fish with him. And I could tell that my dad wanted to groom me to be an outdoorsman. Um, but mm -hmm. honestly, at the time, I preferred video games. I preferred staying inside. I preferred Call of Duty. I preferred a lot of other things as opposed to the outdoors. Um, just kind of a happenstance, right? Like, mm -hmm. didn't really have that priority. Um, yeah. And so probably two or three times a summer, my dad would send an invitation. <laughs> hey, kids, let's go. Let's go float the Blackfoot. Let's go float this river. Um on the raft and fish and I remember always being filled with dread it was like no I do not want to do that um because I knew what was going to happen was I was going to cast and my my line was going to end up in a giant tangle just like mm -hmm. a bird's nest just disgusting and then my dad mm -hmm. was going to get upset with me and then we'd have this falling out and then the day would go to crap right like that was literally that was the formula for what was going to happen any hmm. given day in okay May June or July um and I will never forget, it was, it was probably, probably 2011, um, we went out and we fished this like world famous fishery over by Missoula called Rock Creek. And it's my dad's, like, so he went to the University of Montana and it's 20 minutes from the university. So he grew up in college fishing that all the time. Cool. Um, so we went and there was this undercut bank where the river kind of oxbows and the inside of the river's a little slower and the outside's a little faster, actually a lot faster. And it was that deep tar turquoise blue, beautiful run, right? The bushes overhanging, like a trout should be there. And my dad, <laughs> I remember handing me the fly rod, you know, Russ, okay, this is, this is how we do it. If you cast right here, you're going to have a fish. So he showed me and sure enough, he caught a fish. Um, and I tried it and a fish came up and right. Cause you, you basically throw a hook with feathers on it that floats that imitates a fly. Mm -hmm. And I'm fishing this little caddis and this fish comes up hits and I, I set too quick. And so I missed the fish. And I was, so for those who don't fish set means you hook, you actually hook the fish. So it bites, but then you have to hook it. Correct. Yeah. And so I, I was pretty upset because my dad had just shown me how to do it and I didn't execute correctly. So then we, we ran it back a couple times and mm -hmm. every single time thereafter, I still missed fish. I'm like, I don't know, 12 or 13 or 14 or however old I was. Mm -hmm. um, after like five or six years of being basically feeling guilt tripped to go fish with my dad, I, I basically had thought to myself, if this doesn't pan out, I am giving up this sport. Like my dad is alone. <laughs> like I have invested a lot of time and it's never worked out and I'm done. So anyway, I gave it one more shot. We went up, up the river a little bit, the Creek. It's, it's a really massive Creek, honestly. But, um, so we, we waited up a little more and I missed a few more fish and I sat down and cried. I was so upset. I was done. I literally had like thrown the towel on the mat. I was like, this is, this is wraps. Sorry, yeah. Gene. Like, um, and so we, st we didn't fish the rest of the day. We walked back to the truck, hopped in the truck, drove home. Uh, the nature of Montana is like you on your drive home or on your drive away, you pass through other rivers. Right. Um, and so we, we were driving home and my dad, <laughs> Hey Russ, can we fish the little blackfoot on our way home? I was like, sure. Um, so we stopped uh, right by Avon is the town. And 
I'll never forget the tree. I'll never forget the run. I'll, I like it is em emblazoned into my mind forever. The, the tree. Pulled over. Yeah, oh, that I, I caught this fish on by ah, myself. Ah. Um, and yeah, I I like ran it back, and everything, the stars aligned. I I got my fly where it needed to be. The fish was where my dad said it was. The fish came up. I set. I like gave some tension to the line, and the fish was on my line for the first time in my life by myself. Gene didn't, you know, hook the fish, give me the rod, and have me reel it in. Like I did every every step of the process and i remember grabbing that fish it was a little 12 inch cutthroat or something and i was outrageously stoked like right there everything clicked the connection was there and i was like okay dad i understand right <laughs> so mm. yeah from from then on for the last 13 14 years it has been Number one on the priority list for sure. Wow, number one. That's that's pretty big for a hobby. As far as hobbies. Yeah, yeah, yeah for a hobby to be number one. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know if... I think everyone needs to try fishing at least once. But the thing is, it's like, even if you try it, it takes so much skill and work to be able to hook a fish, especially in fly fishing. Um, but yeah, I remember when I got my first like fish by myself ice fishing like I had done it all set it all up you know like it's just as fun that you did it by yourself and you know how to do it you've learned enough of this skill set because yeah there's luck involved but like you go fishing with my dad or my uncle and my uncle's like fish whisper like he just is so skilled in knowing every little detail about it that he will catch a hundred fish and a hundred more than anyone around him in the same area so <laughs> it's just a testament to to the skill and I think as an observer of the fly fishing world and my dad and uncle, it takes patience. And like my dad's a patient man. And I feel like fishing is the cat is the biggest catalyst to teach you patience and hard work. 100%, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Cause, um, there's so the, the parallels to the gospel and life are outrageous. Let's it, go. There's, it is numerous. <laughs> like, Jesus was a fisherman, right? Mm, also yes. were a lot of his disciples. Um, and the parables to fishing mm -hmm. are there. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it started off as a, like hunting, basically. It, fishing started off for me as hunting. Mm -hmm. Get out, start early, you know, like hit, hit it hard, work mm -hmm. hard, try, try different things, catch as many fish as possible. And obviously I still like that, but it has shifted so much more into, um, I, I know I, I said this earlier, but just like a way to, to pay thanks for the outdoors, a way to, to disconnect. That's a, that's a big one, especially mm -hmm. getting older with technology and, and the more invasive technology seems, you know, just yeah. stepping away and finding that solace and tranquility on the water um especially in waders like fly fishing specifically we're we're not just talking about fishing we're talking about fly fishing where you're in your right. waders you're standing in the river right. yeah when i went fly fishing well, what, yeah just the fish swimming around my feet and i'm just there casting like it's so fun it's so cool oh it's great it's the hard thing is too is so i also really like kind of more extreme sports as well right mm -hmm. like I do like to ride dirt bikes. I really like 
skiing. I like wakeboarding, like the extreme sports, the X game sports. Mm -hmm. Um, really like those a lot, but that's all technicality and athleticism, right? Like coordination, Mm -hmm. fly fishing, like you can have 75 year old guys, right. That can barely stand that can sit there on their drift boat, float down whatever river and catch fish Mm -hmm. just as well as a able-bodied 25 year old kid. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that's kind of the beauty of it too, Yeah, is it's a lifetime thing that you can participate in, um, whether you're disabled or like not very well functioning or like whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate that because my dad, like bless his heart, he's getting older. And like, if he takes a fall, he doesn't recover super quickly. And so, you know, as, as, as for him, we can kind of pattern more for drift boat fishing, right? As opposed to like waiting. Mm-hmm. So he's not stumbling around the rocks. So we're floating right, more. Right. And so uh, that's another thing that I like about it as well. Um, and something cool. that instead of, instead of capability or like performance-based, it's so much wisdom and experience and knowledge mm-hmm. and research and reading. And yeah, yeah which I also really like quite a bit too. Yeah. There's been countless nights where I come to the basement and my dad's watching a huge documentary on fishing, you know, or a river runs through it or something. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Super overrated film, to be honest. I haven't seen it actually. I just know it's about fishing. (laughs) So it was actually filmed just a quick snippet here. In Montana. The river is supposed to be the Blackfoot just 20 minutes outside of Missoula. But that whole film, as far as all the fishing scenes, is filmed on the Gallatin right there by Big Sky. So when you go from Bozeman to Big Sky or from Bozeman to West Yellowstone, you drive over the Gallatin River. river. Dang. That's where it's filmed and not on the black. Hmm. But Yeah, so. I actually, I started it, but I it was slow and I didn't watch it. <laughs> so, but I so love... fly fishing. Sorry, I'll get back on track. I love that you said it takes wisdom and like skills and research and studying. Um, how have you applied that just to your life? Um, so you, you said patience earlier. Yeah. Right. Just from my Um, outside looking in. Yeah. Patience is a huge part of it. There have been countless days where you will fish. Like we get up at seven, six 30, six 37, one, sometimes four depends on the day, depends on the forecast, whatever. Um, and you intend to get on the water, right? When the sun hits the water. So seven in the morning, um, my 18th birthday, we actually, we drove from Helena, which is where I'm from over to Ennis, which is a two hour drive to fish the Madison. And I remember we were pulling the boat behind the truck. Um, and we slept in the bed of the truck that night at the campground where we were going to put in so we could have the earliest start on the river. Um, right. We just brought some, I think we brought a mattress and threw it in the bed of the truck, slept on the mattress under the stars and uh, hopped on the boat at like 6.15 before the sun had actually come over the mountains, just because that's when fish are most active. They're actually nocturnal. So we, as people who fish over the course of the day, are actually catching them when they are not feeding, when they're not active, fish are nocturnal, right? Mm-hmm. So um, 
the 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 hours like dusk and dawn are your best bets because those are kind of like those transitionary phases where they're still active mm-hmm. um where you can still have a pretty productive morning or evening anyway so that that day my birthday my 18th birthday july 23rd actually we uh we got on the water super early and we th- there's different types of, of fishing as well right not just in fly fishing to relate to those who aren't fly anglers there's like bass fishing you can do top water stuff with floating frogs you can do subsurface stuff that looks like little fish or whatever um we uh our intent that day was to throw what's called streamers which is basically a larger hook with rabbit hair tied to it to imitate a fish right so it swims and then the bigger more like predatory fish feed on that um and so my dad and i had a plan to to fish streamers all day with the hopes to catch a big brown trout because that was what i wanted for my birthday how big um big as far as like western rivers is 20 inches or greater Mm -hmm. Um, but i wanted something like between the 22 to 26 inch range so we're throwing like sure (laughs) (laughs) i'm putting my hands up for those not watching (laughs) it's 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 definitely larger it's it's like a good size fish right i'm sure some girls are laughing about the mutual or hinge profiles of the guys with the fish you know i don't it's so hyped (laughs) up but like at the same time if you like grew up around it like me with my dad and brothers having fish pictures like to me that's not that weird but like i don't know you always have hold the fish up closer so it looks bigger yeah there's all the fun fun things okay keep going so you wanted to I've done a plenty of that, by the way. Like, definitely <laughs> manipulated fish size for sure. But, so, back to the brown trout for your birthday. <laughs> brown trout on the birthday. So, I I fished hard. You know, my dad would row hard. That's the other thing is it's like a team sport when you're on a boat. Mm. Um, because you're actually rowing against the current. Not to a slow motor down. boat. Mm-mm. Mm. Nope. There's no, there's no motor. You have an anchor. Mm-hmm. And you've got two oars that you paddle or row upstream all day. And then you've got a guy on the front, like working his shoulder <clears> to <throat> throw this big, heavy fish looking thing to, you know, entice these brown trout to come and eat it. And we fished hard all day. We switched streamers. We switched water that we were fishing as far as like the river goes. This bank, that bank, this type of water behind rocks. We we tried it everything Mm -hmm. and i think we caught like one six inch little rainbow (laughs) rainbow trout like very small Mm -hmm. like a feeder fish um and it was extremely defeating after the day it was like man like we suck you know um and that tests your patience pretty seriously Mm -hmm. like we were we were very defeated um but probably a week later we uh we went out to a different river to fish and i fished hard again all day and right before we took out trophy fish like the one that the one that doesn't get away you know the fish Mm -hmm. that guys just you show to your buddies and they're like holy cow russ really like you're a crazy good fisherman Mm, um how big was it so uh, i was like 27 it was it was a cow it was a it was a a tank of a fish wow um and the, the interesting thing is similar to the par- parallel that to, to social media and dating and families and relationships or whatever, right? Like people don't see my birthday on 
the social media platform where I fished my tail off all day long and came up empty handed. They see the picture that I post of the freaking massive fish and they think, wow, like Russ is such a good fisherman. Holy cow. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. every, he, he must go out and just slay. Right. No, like there has been more, more days than not where I have, have come up short. Um, and I feel like that, that principle can apply to sales, to business, to school, to date, like to every different facet in our lives. Right. Um, yeah. Coming up short sometimes. Yep. And how do you deal with it? What do you do? Um, I mean, besides try again, like how your story ended. <laughs> That's a good question. There's probably a, a quite a few people out there way more equipped to answer that question with life but for fishing mm-hmm. you know I uh I definitely like to to remind myself of successes that we've had or that I've had previously mm-hmm. um whether it be like we obviously take quite a quite a few fi- pictures of fish and not just fish but also of the environment um I think that's something that I really like about the sport is that it, it brings you, it leads you to new places, to beautiful places, to pristine waters, to clear skies, to just like awesome environments. Um, but then something I mentioned earlier, right, is that rather than focusing on the numbers or how big of the fish is, focus on just the experience, like the journey of getting out, mm. of the disconnect. And rather than being that gung-ho fiery i need to 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 see these type of fish today yeah um think i want to see like god in in my experience out on the water today which is super easy actually to to have those really nice spiritual experiences out on the water and and see the parallels from from fishing and fly fishing to life um so i guess just like a change of mindset Right. As, as opposed to, yeah, like I said, just not being so tenacious, but rather just kind of maybe lowering your expectations and just having fun. Hmm. Yeah. And like, if you don't catch anything, being okay with that or my mind keeps paralleling this whole conversation with golf and how frustrating golf is. I'm not a golfer at all, but yeah, for me, there's a whole episode on this. Yeah, there's a whole episode on life lessons from golf, um, episode like 14 or something. But just also, you just go out and have fun and you look for the smiley faces, is that one? So it's similar in the sense it's, you might not golf very well, you might not catch a fish your whole day, but it's it's the art of being out in an element and doing yep. something. And some type of skill that you might fail at a thousand times, but it's worth it for that one good time. And people keep doing it because of that those things you take pictures of your fish you remember that it is great but a lot of the time it isn't a lot of the time you might not catch your trophy fish and you just have to enjoy it for what it's worth which I think that's life right like we're not living perfect days every day you know like yeah we have to just make make the moments count and enjoy them for what they are yeah no the uh, the other thing um (laughs) It's funny. My my dad is way more of a reflective and introspective thinker than me. Hmm. I honestly think I'm a pretty simple person and I am so happy with that because I don't feel like I get lost in my thoughts and 
But anyway, um, Lucky. so we'll be we'll be on <laughs> we'll be on the river, and you know I'll be fishing slower water, right? Because rivers have all different currents and depths, mm-hmm. yeah, and obstacles and tree branches and and everything like that. And fish, different fish, different sizes of fish, different species of fish, are in different parts of the river, right? Mm-hmm. Which there's a parallel there, right? Like different people prefer different areas in life, right? Some people prefer the city, other people prefer the country, right? Like there's mm-hmm. preferences. Um and even outside of preferences, there's just like what you do, right? Um yeah. And so I remember a, a time where we were fishing and we were fishing it was Rock Creek again, this blue ribbon trout fishery outside of Missoula and <laughs> We were fishing the outside bank all day long, kind of deep, quick water. And then we swapped and we fished the inside bank, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if a river's going from right to left, the outside is going to be <clears throat> deeper and faster. And the inside is going to be slower and more shallow. Okay. And we switched from the outside to the inside, and we put a clinic on that day. Like, we, I think we ended up catching, like, 70 fish in Holy the span of, cow. like, a few hours it was That's outrageous. awesome um and at the end of the day my dad was like well russ what what can we learn from from today so try something new and sometimes you'll see success um and you know whether that's in in the gospel or in school work friendships dating like try saying, something yeah, new yeah yeah and well. uh you can find some reward yeah, and like you said, like you used your example of the fish in different parts of the river with people and their preferences of how they live their lives, but also people you meet to want to date or marry for those. I know that's a, a big topic people like to listen to on the podcast is dating, even though it's not a dating podcast. Everyone's like, oh yeah, you have a dating podcast. And I'm like, actually it's not, but dating is applicable to most of my listeners. So I love that it's it does provide help in a way. Oh, I... I, I... <laughs> I make many comparisons between fly fishing and dating all the time. Yeah. Right. Like we've, I've got shot down like a ton. I've also had some successes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all have. And for me, it's, it's the fly fishing mentality. Like you have a massive fish come chase your fly. And then at the last second it turns around and you miss it. And you're so bummed <laughs> and angry and upset and hurt and yeah. sad. All of the, all the different stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Literally, what is the best way to like get to the next fish by freaking keep casting, you know? <laughs> and so it's like keep casting. You just gotta keep going. But you have to like perfect your cast. You have to be working on improving and trying new things. Right. Sorry, I'm such a broken record. I just keep going back to fly fishing. I guess that's what this is supposed to be on. But I'm like, come <laughs> no, on. That's Russ. literally like... the point of this episode. It's fly fishing, and it's. It's fun to get you to talk about it more because then we start to see more of, oh, yeah, and this application and this application. So now my question for anyone who has given this this episode a chance, why should people care? Even if people never fly fish, why should they care about listening to this? Like, what's an application they can learn from fly fishing, even if they yeah. never do it? Um, so a, another story. Yes, so let's go. Back home. Uh, at the university ward in Missoula, Montana, there was a guy named Walt Hill, 
and he was a stake president and then served as a mission president in Vegas. Wow. Literally one of the most intelligent scholarly members of the church like you'll meet. The dude is a brainiac. Um and my dad, he he lives up just right outside of Glacier in the most beautiful part of Montana. It oh, is it is stunning. It's amazing. so beautiful. Um and he's fairly old now. But he uh back in the 80s he told my dad something that has changed the way i view fly fishing and in in a larger sense just the outdoors yeah um i'm not a scriptorian but i do know that i think it's in dnc 59 it talks about how everything that's physical is spiritual everything that's temporal is spiritual right Mm -hmm. um and if if i'm incorrect on 59 that's okay people know what i'm referring to Mm -hmm. so Um, everything outside, everything that's physical is spiritual. And can I say gospel education? Mm -hmm. The the further we get into our gospel education, the more we learn that everything that was created on the earth is, um, has a purpose that it's supposed to fulfill. Right. And so most of the time, it seems like all of the time, different creatures, fowls of the air, and beasts in the field, or whatever, their purpose is to repopulate and have joy, right? Like, that's, that's their, that's their, like, function, if you will. Yeah. Um, just hold on for a sec, like, you'll, you'll, you'll get where I'm going. No, you're, you're good, I'm listening. <laughs> um, so, what, how, how this all comes together is, my dad and I, Walt Hill, right, who said that everything out there is spiritual, um, is obeying God's commands. Mm-hmm. They are fulfilling the measure of their creation, right? So trees being burnt in a fire, they're following the measure of their creation because that's what God intended for that to happen. Hmm. Uh, zebras that reproduce that have kids little baby zebras they're doing what god intended for them to do right and they're doing it all with zero degree of disobedience like that's a fact because they do not have agency so they perform and execute perfectly they follow god just perfectly as opposed to men and women and like mankind who has agency in the spirit of man where we willfully and intentionally disobey. So when we are outside around very obedient creations of Heavenly Father, I believe that we are more naturally inclined to feeling uplifted because we are with obedient creatures. When I have spent time with some very obedient people that you know are like very obedient, right? Like whether it's bishops or nursery leaders or men of the brethren or whatever it might be like when you're around someone that you know puts god's commandments first and like willfully obeys Mm -hmm. you feel different right as opposed to like some dude who's just blatantly disobeying god so my like where rubber meets the road is spend time outdoors even if it's like in your local park even if it's Uh, up Provo Canyon, even if it's like on your front lawn by the grass, right? Like when we're around, Mm -hmm. 
when we're around green and when we're when we're around water and we're when we're around things that willfully obey God, I believe that we are more inclined just naturally to feeling his presence and his light. Um, and that kind of going back to the very beginning is why I love like the outdoors and fly fishing. I just feel a special type of way, right? And I feel motivated and inspired and the spirit. And um, I like, I can interact with his creation literally in my hands. Like I'm holding this wild trout and then I let it back into its habitat. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's such a beautiful thing. So it's cool. Oh, I like that. It's fun to hear you talk about this. I, I think that's my favorite part. I get to hear what people love and it's so much fun. Um, I love that it can be applied to anything you do, whether like, especially outdoors and how that can look different for everyone. Um, oh, I had another question to end on. Oh, to circle, circle back, like to the very beginning (laughs) where you talked about your love of just people and you're very extroverted. So when you go fishing, do you, I'm assuming you go by yourself at times, but do you always try to make sure you're going with other people to have that experience with them? Yeah. Also for safety, because <laughs> like true, there's true. just there's some cruddy stories out there of guys getting up a creek, you know, grizzly like, bears, literally. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'll one thing. One thing I've got to be better at is bringing bear spray. Mm. You know, a lot of people will, will carry bear spray on their hip, but dang, um, dang, dang, dang. Yeah, I I try to go with people just for safety. Yeah. Um. Also because it's fun to connect with someone out on the water, but mm-hmm. there have been times where I go by myself. Yeah. Um. And, you know, you just are able to ponder and think and, and reflect mm-hmm. and right. and stick to your own agenda, right? Like, you want to go downstream, you want to wait upstream, you want to not fish for, like, 20 minutes and just see the sights, smell the smells, and hear the river. Like, you can do that, too. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. It's, it's always a win. A better, what is it, a, a day on the water is better than a day at work? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am sure I've heard most of the funny fishing phrases throughout my childhood with the father I have, who's a big fisherman as well, which maybe next time we'll do a part two and bring Brent on here and have (laughs) it be deep, deep fishing, deep on fishing. He's got cooler tales than me, though, because he's been to like New Zealand and (laughs) I've been to Montana. Well, that is something I am going to put a plug in there, just kind of reiterating some of the points you shared about just fishing and fly fishing in general is when my, so that's my dad's like biggest hobby, that and hunting. I can't tell which one's bigger, but when he, (laughs) when he like signs up for a hunting trip or a fishing trip, he has like 10 books on the subject, on the place, on every detail. And he maps it out for months and months. And so like he did a fishing trip to the Bahamas. Me and my mom and sisters were very confused why we were not invited to hang out on the beach, but whatever. He had this fishing trip for himself and and like months had these Bahama books and studied everything there is to know about the fish there, how to fish there, what to fish with, what to wear, you know, because it's just a whole different environment than the mountains, you know, and it was just cool to see him put in the work for that and, and for a hobby. But to me, it says much more about his character willing to put in the work for something he cares about instead of just like having a hobby that you do sometimes, you know, like it right. takes so much skill in the fishing world like fishing's a very i mean everyone could say this about the hobby they love right 
you know it takes <laughs> i would hope so you dedicate what you want to make it great you know and he makes it great and catches what he wants because he's put in the time so sorry final thought there just it takes time and effort to do what you want to love or to do what you love but it's worth it it sure is do you have any favorite quotes or anything to end on or another takeaway that you've learned maybe from today um you know i actually don't have a quote that's all right <laughs> um but yeah i uh maybe an invitation actually is just Ooh. you know find 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 a way to get out i i think being trapped in a cubicle or uh on your screen or in your house or apartment mm -hmm. um like and i've thought about this a lot recently um so for me it's the outdoors right i absolutely i'm a freak for the outdoors and i know we have a lot of people that say that at least in utah it seems that way you meet mm. someone and you ask them what their hobbies are and they hiking or the outdoors or whatever mm -hmm. um yeah my camera roll definitely proves me right for sure here i've got a lot of, of fishing and skiing and hunting <laughs> um but my invitation would be to get out and to find a way to kind of i guess pay tribute to god so maybe you're in new york <laughs> city right there's not a lot of green space in new york uh, other than central park like you're downtown manhattan um and the outdoors are actually not your element whatsoever at all. I know, I know quite a few people who like, for me, uh, the dream is like three days on the mountain survival mode, bring some MREs, like bring like a hammock and sleep. And th MR that would be so cool. MRE Ma mountain house. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that, that's mm -hmm. the dream. Other right. people maybe in like Houston or San Antonio, that is like their worst nightmare, <laughs> right? Like, oh my gosh, I don't have a shower. Oh my gosh, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I going to get killed by a cougar? Um, and honestly, I've thought about that and that's okay. I think if, if that's more along your lines, you can look at the skyscrapers, right? And think, wow, like God, God inspired men and women to build this. Like, isn't that amazing? Um, and, and so I think that's my big reasoning for fly fishing and the outdoors in general is because I see the hand of God in it so clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I also recognize that there's so many different walks of life and people can, can see a creator in, in many other ways and in, in other things. And so that would be the big take home message is like, figure out what that is and go for it, you know? Yeah, watch, like, check your outlook, in a sense. Like, uh -huh. no matter where you are, what you're up to in your life, what's your outlook? And and putting that, putting God in it, because he's there. Right. Hmm. I like that. I like that challenge. You said um, your wording for the challenge was um, not give credit to God. What did you say? Um, pay tribute. Pay tribute. Yep, pay tribute to God by looking, by looking for him. Hmm, I like that. That's a good good place to end. <laughs> Everybody, thank you for listening. I hope you learned something today and have just that much more light in your life listening to Russ, Russ's passion <laughs> on fly fishing. It's really fun, though. Passion can grow and inspire you to go and do something else. So enjoy your days or evenings or mornings, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.